Welcome to the Live Leadership Podcast with myself, Leela Singh. All things coaching, career, and personal branding. This podcast is for ambitious career professionals like you, wanting to create a life of choice and freedom, to be, do, and have more through overcoming limitations, to develop new perspectives and insights, and to redefine your success, be that in work, health, relationships, and so much more. In today's episode, I wanted to share with you a keynote that I recently delivered for International Women's Day 2021, the theme of which is Choose to Challenge. During the keynote, I share with you my career journey, as well as some of the challenges faced, the risks I took, and the lessons learned. In other words, how I chose to challenge myself throughout my career. I also share with you my perspectives on personal branding. My belief is that personal branding begins with us, the human element, the in-person version of ourselves and how we show up both on and offline. And I also share several actionable insights to get you either creating or refining your personal brand. So do head over and hear what I had to say. In today's session, we're going to be looking at what personal branding means for you and why it's important. And then I'll show a little bit of my journey and my learnings. Why? Because I feel that it aligns quite closely to the theme of this year's International Women's Day and choosing to challenge. We'll then discover the six critical steps that are needed to establish and to live your personal brand. And then begin to create your personal brand. I'll share a few best practices with you in order to do that. Why is this important? Because with personal branding and with your reputation, you want to be remembered for the right reasons. Next slide, please. And so what is personal branding? Personal branding is others' perception of you. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. And most importantly, it's the feeling that people experience when they meet you, when they work with you, and when they hear your name mentioned. Because remember, those feelings create lasting perceptions. And why is this important, you might be thinking? Well, it's important for a number of reasons. It's critical to understanding who you are, what you stand for, and what you want to be known for, both personally and professionally. We jump two slides, please. Jen, thank you. And why else is it important? It's important because it's integral to all stages of your career. So whether you're starting out or you are established in your career, perhaps you're seeking to change or looking for a new role and maybe just advancing your career. You may simply want to be more visible or to be a more effective leader, or simply create an industry profile. Next slide, please. And most importantly of all, there is so much competition right now in your space with others striving to advance their career that it is imperative that you are able to stand out. Next slide, please. And I'd like to share a little bit of, of my story of, of who am I and, and how I've been on this journey to doing what I do today. And that began maybe 
25, 26 years ago when I embarked on my career as an accountant. So I studied and I qualified as an accountant and, and spent about six years or so in various finance roles. But the thing was back then, I was the person who feared judgment. I didn't speak up for fear of being heard because I was very shy. I lacked confidence. I was very introverted. And so I just kept my head down and I worked really, really hard. And at the time I felt that, well, I'd done that throughout my life, throughout my studies, and I worked really hard and that had enabled me to achieve success. So I figured that if I kept doing that, that would get me the success I strive for in my career, which was to advance my career. But after a while, I had a financial controller who was, he was actually leaving the organization. He'd hired me. And we worked together for about 18 months and he came over to say goodbye to me and wish me all the best. But he also said this to me. He said, Leela, when we interviewed you 18 months ago, you talked about your career aspirations and where you wanted to be. And I have no doubt, having seen how you've worked over the last 18 months, that you have the capabilities to accomplish that. But my fear for you is that you're going to struggle. Why? Because no one knows who you are and what you're about. You're very quiet. Yes, you work really hard. You deliver. You've got great quality work. But at the same time, if people don't know who you are and what you're about, you're going to struggle to move up. You're going to struggle to get recognized. And that sat with me for a while because I knew it was good advice. But at the same time, I didn't really know what to do with it because I was very shy. And then over the next few months, and that, that, that advice kept playing on my mind as to what to do. And over a period of time, I started to realize that although I enjoyed what I was doing, I wanted more. And there was something more to this that I needed to try something different. And so I did a bit of research, a bit of due diligence and looked at different options of what I could do and what I would enjoy. And I then decided to take a massive step outside of my comfort zone which meant that I had to stretch myself. I had to let go of the fears that I had of potential failure of the judgment from others. And believe me, I received a lot of judgment because I then made a the decision that I was going to move into recruitment and become a financial recruitment consultant. Now imagine that somebody who, who lacks confidence, who doesn't really speak up and who's quite shy, choosing to go into a role such as that. And at the same time, I took a 50% pay cut. And that was a huge risk for me because literally at the same time, within that same couple of months, I had just secured a mortgage for my first home. And so my father, as you can imagine, said to me, well, what do you think you're doing? You've spent your whole life uh, studying to become an accountant. You're doing really well. Why would you leave all of that? My, uh, my manager at the time where I was working, he couldn't understand it either. I got a lot of people challenging me and saying that I was throwing everything away. But for me, it wasn't that. It was moving on to the next stage, but taking those transferable skills that I had learned and, and, and worked through over the years to that next role. And here's the thing. I spent a couple of years in recruitment and I will say to you till today that it was the most pivotal moment in my career. Why? Because I experienced massive exponential growth both personally and professionally 
it gave me the confidence to be able to do what I've done since then. It helped me to learn to speak up, to ask for what I wanted, to have a voice and to be me, to be my true self. And what did that, what I have to do to accomplish that? It meant I had to step out of my comfort zone and that was really hard. It meant that I had to take risks because I was trying something new. I joined an organization where I was sat around a team of very well experienced recruitment consultants. And so I was fearing the judgment from them of slipping up, of making mistakes, but I did it. I kept moving forward. I picked up the phone, I made those cold calls and I was successful in placing candidates. And at the time I had to ask myself, what is the worst that can happen? And this is one of the takeaways for you. I'm gonna be sharing quite a few today. And if you're making notes, please write this down. What is the worst that can happen? This is a great question to ask yourself because then it gives you some more context. And for me, it was, okay, at the time, what is the worst that could happen? If this doesn't work out, I'll go back and look for another role in accountancy. In fact, my manager had said to me, if it doesn't work out, come back, pick up the phone and call me. Fortunately, that didn't have to happen. And I was able to enjoy, I succeeded in it, and I tried new things. And the lesson here for me, and something I want you to consider, is if you don't try new things, you'll never realize what you are truly capable of. And that for me was the biggest learning, and that has really supported me throughout the rest of my career. And later on, following on from that, I was offered an opportunity to join what was then Electronic Data Systems. As some of you will know, it's the second largest IT outsourcing company at the time to IBM. And the role I took on there was in corporate finance. So again, something entirely new for me. I had no technical experience in this field. And it, the role itself required me to go in and implement significant change across the business. I also had to reach out to lessors, to banks, and engage in negotiating financial contracts. IBM Global Finance was one of those. And I had to learn about IT, about outsourcing, but I did it. And here's the thing, I asked for help. Often people believe that asking for help is a, a sign of weakness. In fact, I believe it's a sign of strength and it's a sign of the willingness to learn and to grow and to want to do better. So I did that, I had to learn on my feet, I had to reach out to people and ask for help or learn about the business. And that was okay, because that helped me to develop a really strong reputation within the business. And I quickly developed good relationships, which you'll understand why I'm mentioning this now, later on. And so I was in that role and it was very varied, very diverse for about seven or eight years. And then Hewlett Packard Enterprise acquired us and I moved into a sales executive role and I spent almost 10 years in that role and delivered a little shy of a billion dollars of business during my tenure there <clears throat> excuse me and here's the thing if you'd asked me 25 years ago if I'd ever consider working in sales the answer would be an absolute no because I didn't have the confidence I could never see myself in that sphere but yet Looking back on how far I had come, I recognized that the steps that I had made, the risks that I had taken, the trying new things and the asking for help 
had really helped me to, to move forward, to achieve what I did during my career at HPE. And so what did this really, what were my biggest learnings here? Some of the things I'd like you to consider and to take away from this is that by me almost reverse engineering what I had done in my career and how far I'd come, I recognized number one, that we need to show up. We need to show up as the best version of ourselves. And this is something that is constantly evolving. We don't get to work on it for six months and that's it. It's a continuous evolution and it takes time and it takes energy and it takes effort. Number two is to step up, to step up and to build and develop your confidence because confidence is what will propel you forward, but it will also have people gravitate towards you. And you want to be able to ask for what you want. And number three is to speak up to speak up and share your opinions, to share your ideas and to make yourself visible so people know who you are and have you top of mind. And over the last six years, next slide, please, Jen. I, whilst I was still in my sales exec role, I then started to invest heavily in myself and my own personal growth. And this is where I became an accredited um, accredited as a as a trainer as a speaker as an nlp master practitioner and also as a, an accredited coach and i did this in my own time outside of, of my my role my job with a view that eventually i would take this somewhere and over the last few years i have had the the privilege of being able to speak at or work with a number of different companies i've recently launched my podcast a few months ago where I I interview leaders from the technology industry who come on to share their career journey, the challenges that they have faced and how they overcame them and their learnings, which inspire others to be able to move forward in their career. Next slide, please. And these are some of the photos of some of the work I have done over the last six years. The, the biggest picture there on the top left is a keynote I delivered for the Chartered Institute of Management Accountants. On the bottom left, there is some presentation skills training that I delivered to a sales team and others are workshops or events that I have spoken at. Next slide, please. And these are some of the companies, organizations that I have worked with over the last six years. Next slide, please. And I'd like to, to, to dive into sharing a bit more about personal branding. So I've, I've talked to you about what it is and why it's important. And this quote for me really encompasses it. And it, this is from Zig Ziglar, who's a renowned sales coach. And he says, I've always said that everyone is in sales. Maybe you don't hold the title of salesperson, but if the business you are in requires you to deal with people, then you, my friend, are in sales. Next slide, please. And I'd like to introduce to you the uh, framework that I've created through reverse engineering what I did to show up as the best version of me, to be more confident, to be able to ask for what I want and to have others gravitate towards me. Why is that important? It's important because rather than us keeping our heads down and working really hard and hoping that someone spots us, wouldn't it be a great place to be, to be able to actually have people know who we are and what we're about and be able to reach out to us? 
And so I created this framework based on that, and it comprises of six pillars. And the first pillar is clarity. And by not having clarity on our life and our professional life and our personal life, it means that we often find ourselves stuck, maybe demotivated, perhaps on that hamster wheel of life and not knowing where we're heading. And that means we also lack our brand identity. But by getting clarity on who we are, what we stand for, what we want to be known for, looking at our core values, the things that are non-negotiable, and also understanding how we come across to others and how we think we come across. There's a huge gap there. We can look to close that gap and work on ourselves. This requires a lot of self, self-reflection and introspection, something that people often find quite uncomfortable to do, but it's incredibly powerful. But by doing this, it means that we can get clear on, on where we want to be and create a vision for that and have a strong brand identity. And for that, I'd like to, for each of these pillars, I'm going to share with you a little takeaway, something that you can go away and work on to cultivate your personal brand. And for this one, what I invite you to do is reach out to five people in your professional space, people that you trust, the people that you've worked with in some capacity, whether they're clients, whether they're people in your team or your peers, and ask them to share with you three either words or phrases that the first things that come to mind when they hear your name mentioned. And then when you receive that information, right, take a look at that and ask yourself, well, is this how I want to be seen? Is this the reputation I want to have? Is this how I want to be perceived by others? And think about that. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be bad in any way because most people are pretty kind. However, is everything that you want to be known for in those descriptions? And if not, what is the gap that you need to close? What do you need to do to influence that perception in a positive way? That might be my first invitation to you. When we look at the second module. The second one is about confidence. And without confidence, we, we have uncertainty in ourselves. We have the self-doubt and we question ourselves, which directly impacts our ability and our performance. And this becomes diminished, which means that when we shop lacking that confidence, it directly influences our behaviors. So would you agree then that when someone is considering filling a new role, and if they, who would they gravitate towards? Who would they consider? It's going to be the person who exudes confidence, who has certainty in themselves. And so when we talk about the, uh, the, the, the gender pay gap, for example, or when we talk about the, the lack of female representation at board level and leadership roles. One of the things I advocate is that we need to show up with confidence. We need to develop and nurture that confidence and have that certainty. Ask yourself this, do you tend to gravitate towards people who exude confidence or those who lack confidence in the workplace? Who would you have more certainty in if you were asking someone to carry out a piece of work for you? Who would you consider top of mind if you were looking to hire somebody? It's the confidence. And so I invite you to really think about how can you show up even better and exude that confidence? And this is not about trying to be somebody you're not or faking it till you make it. It's about working on your brand, your presence, your communication style, so that you naturally in your own way will feel confident in the way that you shop and you will have people responding to you 
in a different way. 75% of women lack confidence in the workplace, according to research carried out by Glasgow University. So imagine when we look at or when we, we challenge leadership and management for not hiring more women, think about how are you showing up? Are you putting yourself in a position to even be considered? I recently spoke to a friend of mine who shared with me, she's part of uh, the Tech Her Network run by Microsoft. And they invited about, I think it was 54 women down to London, fully expense, all expenses paid for them for a day in a beautiful hotel, breakfast, lunch, and um, gave them some training around Microsoft as yeah. And at the end of the day, they said to this room of women, if you spend one hour and complete this exam, you will get accredited for Microsoft Azure. And my friend said to me, how many of those people do you think stayed to do the exam? And I said, well, surely everyone. Why wouldn't they? And she said, five people. Five people. 54 people were given that opportunity and five stayed to do the exam. Now, she acknowledged the fact that some of those individuals did have responsibilities and they had to leave to head home, but that wasn't the case for everyone. So my advice, my invitation is to grab those opportunities because those will help us to move and propel ourselves forward in our careers. And the takeaway from, from this pillar is for you to consider how do you talk to yourself? That inner dialogue that we have, where we tell ourselves that we're not smart enough, that others are better than us, that we're going to be judged, that I'm scared of, of failing. All of that inner dialogue that we have are the things that hold us back from grabbing those opportunities. So start to become aware of that inner dialogue that you're having. Even journal it, write it down. And ask yourself, would you speak to a five-year-old child in that way? Because I'm pretty certain the answer is going to be no. So why do we do it to ourselves? Why do we put ourselves down in that? Why do we hold ourselves back? The third pillar is a captivate, and this is about presence. And for me, a big part of presence is all the nonverbal communication. Often when we hear about communication, we think about the speaking, the words. And I hear people who come and say to me, well, I don't know how to, uh, you know, behave in a networking event or in a room full of strangers. And I hate going to these events because I don't know what to say to people and people are going to judge me and think I'm stupid. Believe me, I've been there. I was that person many years ago. And the thing is, 93% of communication is nonverbal, which means that people are all already creating an impression of you before you've even uttered a word. So if you can nail your presence and the way that you show up, before you start to speak, you've already made that positive impression. And so here, when I work with my clients, when I deliver my training, this is what we talk about, is how to deliver it to, to show up with strong presence. And for me, it's about people judging you in that first seven seconds. We all judge. We try not to, we pretend not to, but we do. So it's the first seven seconds that matter. And how can we show up? By not having presence, it means we can be unheard, we can be invisible, our demeanor impacts the way that we come across, which often means that people are less likely to listen to us or to want to spend time with us or to speak to us or to hire us. So it's important to really work on our presence and with it, you will find that people will gravitate towards you subconsciously. 
it's not a conscious thing. I had a lady once who I spoke to at a, a panel event that I was on who I gave her some tips around presence. I'm going to share these with you shortly. And when she, she went away and the next day she messaged me and she just said, thank you. It was great to meet you. And thank you for the tips that you shared. I implemented them today when I went into work. Now, bear in mind, this was a place that she had already been working at for about six months. So people already knew her. And her message to me was, I implemented what you said, and I've already noticed the difference in how people are responding to me. And when I read that message, I got goosebumps. Why? Because when I gave her those tips, I was sharing that with her for her to feel more confident in herself. But do you recognize how powerful this is? And that actually the way that we show up and us feeling confident in ourselves will have other people responding to us in a completely different way and a positive way. And my invitation here is to make notes on the tips I will be sharing with you shortly and start to implement them immediately. We go on to communicate the fourth pillar. And with it, without this, without having good communication, with strong communication, people can get distracted from us. They'll start to scroll on their phones, they'll start checking their emails. You've seen it, you've done it. And people can get bored. And if you're at a networking event, for example, they'll be looking over your shoulder and looking to who they can speak to next and wanting to move on. But by that being able to communicate in an eloquent and an effective way and keep people engaged, it means that they'll want to hear more from you. They'll want to be around you. And again, they'll want to gravitate to you. All of these things that I'm talking about here are what makes up your personal brand. So my invitation here is to think about how you want to be standing out and be remembered when it comes to your communication. We've all been there, death by PowerPoint. So how can you make your delivery more engaging and keep people focused on you wanting to hear more rather than checking their watches for when you're going to finish? And a simple tip for you here, a takeaway for you, is to check in with your audience. As you've noticed, I've been doing throughout, I've been checking, does this make sense? Would you agree? I've asked some rhetorical questions. This makes your delivery much more conversational and much more engaging. And it's possible both online as well as in person. But obviously a lot more needed and more powerful when we're behind a screen and it's harder to keep your audience engaged. The fifth pillar is connect, and this is all about relationships. If you remember, I mentioned this before. And by, again, not having those relationships, that network around you, you're likely to be invisible and easily overlooked. It's, people will ask you to take on new projects, to get things done, maybe ask for help. If you are visible, if people know who you are, and it's important, I believe, to, to create around you a circle of advocates, of, of sponsors and of mentors, because you want to build that reputation where people know, like and trust you. Because remember, we're all in sales and ask yourself who, you know, OK, because it's not we, we hear it often said it's 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 all about who, you know, but actually it's about who, you know, and also about who knows you. So you want to make yourself known. You want to be able to communicate as well as to connect in an effective way. And by doing this, it means that you're more likely to be top of mind for those that matter, that are making the decisions. If there's an opportunity that arises, you'll be referred. Somebody may recommend you and it's easier to ask for help. 
I've learned particularly now in running my business that I have to reach out and ask for help. And I still find it difficult. But I've also learned that people love to help. They love to support you. And it's very difficult to get a no from somebody. So do it. So reach out, ask for help. If you're thinking maybe about changing your role, starting a different, a different part of your career and doing something entirely new, reach out and ask that someone who's doing something like that already to have a conversation with you. Just share 15 minutes, 30 minutes with you so you can find out more about it. You want that help. You want to have people around you who are prepared to support you and, and help you move up and propel your career forward. So my invitation to you on this point is to reach out and reconnect with someone that perhaps you've not spoken to for a few years. I believe that right now, when we're in this situation of a global pandemic, this is a great opportunity to really cultivate and nurture your network. So reach out and reconnect with somebody that you maybe worked with several years ago and start having a conversation. And people say, well, I don't know what to say. And the big part of building connection is developing rapport. And a part of developing rapport is to find something that we all have in common to have that conversation. And what do we have in common right now? We're all experiencing the global pandemic. Yes, we're having different experiences, but in some shape or form, it's impacted us in some way. So it's a great opportunity to use that as a conversation starter and to be sincere and to be genuine about it. Don't wait until you need somebody's help. Go start cultivating and growing your network now. That will be my invitation to you. And then finally, we look at cultivating. This is about cultivating your personal leadership. And for me, that's what personal branding is it's about showing up and having your own personal leadership. And without this, it means you potentially lack the recognition you may be getting overlooked, you're struggling to move forward in your career. And things are challenges rather than opportunities. By bringing all of what we've spoken about together and showing up as the best version of yourself, you will be seen as a leader in your own right. And I'm not talking about a job title, I'm talking about how you come across, how you show up. But more than that, you'd be your own leader for yourself. In other words, you'll have the ability to influence your own outcomes, your experiences, and to create the opportunities rather than waiting for them to come to you. And as I mentioned, this is where we talk about show up, step up and speak up and be a true leader for you. So showing up as the best you, stepping up and being confident and speaking up. Because I believe when we look at the theme this year of International Women's Day and choose to challenge, my invitation is for you to challenge yourself. Yes, we can challenge organizations, we can challenge companies and, and their, their boards, their leaders to do more. But what are we doing for ourselves to be able to step up and to go for what we want? Next slide, please. And I'd like to share with you a little bit more about presence. And I mentioned earlier, so this is the captivate model, which is about how we have gravitas in the way that we carry ourselves in the way that we show up. And it's called the priceless presence principles. And there are nine components to this, and we're going to dive into a few of them. So the first one we're going to look at is posture. Next slide, please. And when we talk about posture, this is something 
that arguably is quite obvious and quite simple, but actually is also very, very powerful. And why I'm sharing this with you is because our posture and the way that we carry ourselves alone can make a huge difference to the way that other people perceive us. So some tips I'd like to share here, quite simple, is that at the moment, I'm assuming many of you are working remotely, you're working on a laptop all day, and you're on your, your WebEx, your Teams, your Zoom calls. So you want to have presence when you show up on those calls. And I've, I've used a couple of images here to just give some example of that. But what you want to be doing is, first of all, you want to have both feet firmly planted on the ground, because that in itself will have you feeling confident, sorry, not confident, grounded and more in control. You want to be sat up straight. You want to have your shoulders back and your head up when you're speaking more so. If you're listening, I know it's easy to very much relax a little bit, but you want to be showing that presence by virtue of your body language. And given that we're behind cameras, this is the best that we can do to do that. But it makes a huge difference, believe me. I'm on Zoom calls at least 20, 30 times a week with different people. And it's very, I, I'm, because I'm very self-aware and I notice these things, it's very easy for me to already see the difference when someone shows up in that way on a call and when they don't. So this is the first thing for you to think about. And also when you return back to the office, you also want to think about your posture. You want to carry yourself in that way where you stand with equal weight on both feet. Oftentimes, and women particularly do this quite a lot, is you tend to stand with more weight on one leg. Does that sound familiar? Does that resonate with you? Film yourself on your phone. No one else has to see this, but just record yourself standing like that. And then adjust yourself and stand with your feet, hip width apart with equal weighting on both feet, and then film yourself and see, notice the difference. And think about when you walk into a room, a meeting room, and there's other people there that you start talking to. Imagine standing up to deliver a presentation or simply just walking into the office or to meet a client. And look at the difference when you videoed yourself and see how that comes across, because once you've seen it, you will never do that again. You will never stand with your weight on one leg because you'll see the power of how you come across differently. So that would be my takeaway for you there. Next slide, please. And then we look at eye contact. And with eye contact, this again, when we're behind the screen, what you want to be doing, particularly when you're the person speaking. So if you're leading a meeting on a call, on an online call like this, if you are delivering a presentation, or if you're simply, it's your turn to say something. At that point, you want to be making eye contact with people because that builds connection. And whilst we can't be in person right now, you want to be able to still be building that connection with other people, which means that you want to be looking at your camera in the way that I have been doing for most of this session. Because if I was to look now permanently at my monitor, I know you've only got small photos of me at the top, a little, little image, but I don't know if you can tell, but it's a very different experience for the people on the other side. I'm now struggling because I'm used to looking at the camera. But practice it, even record it and practice it on your own. So look at your camera, then look at the screen, record it, count to five, looking at your camera, then look at your screen, count to five, all the time recording, and then play it back and notice the difference. And then think about the experience that the person on the other end is receiving from that. What is that like? Is it going to be more powerful if I feel that like you're really looking at them and connecting with them? Believe me, 
I've probably had in all the calls I've been having during lockdown, probably four or five people max who've, who've come onto a call and have been speaking to the camera. And believe me, it's a completely different experience. And remember, this is about your brand, your reputation, the impact that you're creating for other people. So you want to be thinking about the experience you're giving to other people. You also want to attempt to have your camera at eye level. Because when you're looking down at your laptop or down at your camera, again, it gives a different experience for the other person. So if you can adjust your camera or your laptop to a position where your camera is at eye level, that can make a huge impact as well. So do try to do that. Next slide, please. And then we're looking at speed. And with this, it's about the speed of your delivery. Next slide, please. And oftentimes with this, it's about when we're nervous, when we're particularly presenting, or when we are speaking maybe to someone who's more senior than us, or there's a number of people in a meeting we have to speak up, we tend to speak really quickly. Because we're nervous, we just want to get it out and finish and go back and sit down or not be seen. And the thing is, believe me, I've been here. I've done all of these things, okay? So what you want to think about is how you can slow down and speak intentionally. Take the focus off of you and onto your audience. One of the biggest mistakes people make when it comes to public speaking is to spend their time focusing on themselves. And like I said, I've been there, I've done it. You worry, right? We worry about what we look like, what people are thinking about us, whether we're going to say the right thing, if we're going to slip up, if we're going to forget our words. All of those things that are going on is us focusing on ourselves. Take the focus off of you and focus on your audience, the person in front of you or the people in front of you and the message that you're looking to get across. And remember that if you slow it down and deliver in a considered and intentional way, people will be able to follow you and process the information. If you're speaking really quickly, it's very easy for people to switch off, zone out and start looking at their phones. The next point we're going to look at, next slide please. And the final one we're looking at today is state. And with state, we're talking about breathing. Next slide, please. And this is really simple. Okay, people laugh at me when I share this often because we all know how to breathe, right? But when we talk about confidence, about feeling grounded and feeling in control in a situation, particularly when it's a situation that may make us feel anxious, nervous, or then lacking certainty in ourselves, I advocate you breathe. And what I mean by this is to take some slow, deep breaths. So breathing in for the count of six, holding for the count of four, and breathing out slowly for the count of six. And if you repeat that three times, I did this with a client just last week, and immediately he was shocked at the difference he felt in his whole entire physiology. And this is the thing, because that relaxes our physiology which means that that tension that we're carrying in our body because we're anxious, we're nervous, we're worried about people are going to say all of those kinds of things. People can see it, maybe not consciously, but they can see that you're tense, that you're nervous. So by breathing before, for example, you hop onto a, a presentation or to a meeting where you're going to have to be speaking at length or a difficult conversation, even with a client, whatever it might be, breathe, really simple one. Next slide, please. 
And so just to wrap up, this is what we've looked at today. So we've looked at posture, we've looked at eye contact, speed and state. And just to bring it back to where it all fits in to the framework, we're looking at the price as presence principle. So that's just a sample of what I do, what I teach and how I coach my clients to build their personal brand. So my invitation to you today, next slide please, is to build your personal brand. Choose to challenge yourself to take that personal responsibility and to show up as a leader, both for yourself and for those around you. And next slide. We're on to Q&A. Oh, sorry, I forgot that. Your, your, I'd like to finish with my final thought, which is your personal brand is your professional reputation. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you enjoyed and gained value from today's episode, then do please leave a review telling us your key learnings and what you enjoyed the most. And do please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can spread the word on life leadership, creating a life of choice, freedom and new possibilities. Connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And if you would like to learn more about how we can work together, either DM me on LinkedIn or email me. All details and resources can be found in the show notes.